everybody, this is William Del Pilar, and this is Points on the Board, and I am here with my bud, El Matador del El Salvador, Eddie Aparicio. How you doing, brother? What's up, brother? How you doing, man? We got to come up with something new, the, the, the man, something from Panama. I don't know. We got to figure something out, man. <laughs> Off screen, Eddie was talking about my hair. I was telling Eddie, maybe we'll come up with something like that. I come from a family on my Puerto Rican side uh, where they have their head, their, their heads are still full of hair and they live into their 90s. And you know me, Eddie, I'm a political demon and I keep telling the wife, you know, I'm kind of glad I'm closer to death than life, man. We got a nasty looking world coming up ahead. Oh, of man. These are going. Yeah. You know, but every, every so generation how, how, says that, though. Every generation says that. You know, I would say that back in our day, our parents probably used to say the same thing, you know, because all the wars. And no, stuff you're right. You're right. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right, Eddie. But here's the difference. Every generation before us has not been this technologically ahead. And Correct. it has completely changed the, the, the way our life. And, and here's an ugly fact. History books do not like to talk about. And I, I studied this and learned it. Once a country, the people who created that country or formed that country, once they stop reproducing, when they start reproducing less than the, than the outsiders that come in, the country's eventually doomed. And there has not been one time in history where it's been positive. Eventually, that whole civilization crumbles away. People don't understand. By the end of the Roman Empire, they weren't even fielding their own armies. They were pure-blood mercenaries. And that was one reason why the Visigoths and the Germanic tribes were able, able to invade. You know, So history is replete with all of these uh, ugly truths for lack of a better way. And uh, uh, that's why, you know, I I'm looking at, at this country because I love this country. I mean, this country, Eddie, my family in Panama, they, y'all don't, you Americans don't know what the hell poor is until you go to a third yeah. world country. But if it wasn't for, for sure. America, my, my, my mom's family in Panama would still be beyond dirt poor, but she was able because of America to send money back. And my aunt got her master's and, and has been a teacher for decades now, you know, and they, even though they still right. live in the barrio, their homes, one of the better homes in the barrio. <laughs> You know, it's like when I go to the barrio, I can't go walking around on my own because I stick out. But they all, by the time <laughs> I finish my stay there, they're like, oh, el americano blanquito. <laughs> Taki, you know, the little whitey Americans here visiting us, you know, because I'm the only, you know, I stick out in there. But it's a blast. And I love going back to Panama. You know, you ever gone back to El Salvador? You ever gone to El Salvador? You know, it's the, only the, when I was like maybe six or seven years old. Six or seven years old is the last time I was there. It's a long time ago. I have family over there. I just don't know them, you know. Um, there's, I have quite a few right. family members. I just never right. really met them. So, yeah. <laughs> so, no idea. What are you, uh, second or third generation? Are you second or third generation? I'm first generation here in the U.S. Meaning, meaning, were your parents so the first my... ones here? Okay, so your parents yes. were immigrants. Correct. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, that's a little odd. Usually the first... Usually the first generation is closer to the roots of their, their Latino side. So your parents made sure to integrate you uh, 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 nice and proper, which is a goal among 
amongst a lot of immigrant parents. They want their kids to become Americans, learn English, get the education, et cetera, et cetera. My parents were too busy working to, to mind us. We were all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we got a great show today, people. Uh, we're going to talk some basketball as always. Eddie is our insider here with some great insights. And uh, uh, we are going to talk. I'm looking for my uh, notes here, Eddie. We're going to talk Pascal. How do you say that? Siakam or Sikam? Siakam. Siakam. We're going to talk about uh, uh, that trade. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, rest in peace, Mr. Dijon Milosevic. Uh, and we're going to talk about some trade rumors. Eddie's going to fill us in. And then we're going to talk some National Football League. The head coaching hunt <clears throat> is ongoing. And uh, uh, what I found funny, Eddie, about that is the repeat names for the interviews, especially a lot of the, 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 the black coaches because of the Rudy rule. And I feel bad for those guys because how many times do they go into – how many times does a black man go into an NFL head coach interview knowing he's just there to uh, fulfill the Rooney rule? And it's good and bad, uh, and we'll talk about it, and, and I'll tell you why it's good and bad. But then we're going to talk about the, uh, uh, the, 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 the divisional round of the playoffs. And uh, uh, I knew I, I know Eddie was sweating bullets. I know you were sweating bullets over there. Well, because boys made Green it. Bay outplayed. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah. Green Bay outplayed him. But this was a bigger victory for the Niners for a few reasons, and we'll talk uh, talk about that then. But let's get to it, Mr. Eddie. Talk to me about this trade. Pascual Siakam. Is that oh hell, that screwed that up again, didn't I? Pascal Siakam. So Siakam. So the, Siakam. What is yes. Pascal he's a he's from I believe he's Nigerian. I believe he's he's from Africa. I think it's either I think it's Nigerian is where he's from. So um so I, I don't believe him because I have not received an email saying he needs two hundred and fifty million dollars. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> you don't get it. Remember the early no, days of it. the internet. You'd read. Oh, yeah. I am okay. <laughs> I get it. No, I get it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no worries. No worries. So you know the the, the NBA trade that trade deadline is coming up here February eighth, and there's been a couple of trades that have happened, and namely only from one particular team. It's the Toronto Raptors. Who you know started the whole uh, trade uh, the, uh, the, uh, movement with uh, the movement of OG Ananobi to the New York Knicks, and then you know it was well known that Pascal Siakam was probably next on the on the trading block because you know the uh, Masai Ujiri is is Ujiri is is the uh, GM over at, uh, at, at at Toronto, and he is definitely trying to stockpile draft picks and rebuild his team, um, and he's and he's good at it, so. You know, with the trade that, he, that they accomplished with the New York Knicks, they did get a second-round pick. But with the, the Pascal Siakam trade, Siakam went to the Indiana Pacers. And it was actually a three-team deal. Um, it, you know, the, the third team wasn't really, you know, broadcasted much. But it was between the Indiana Pacers and the Toronto Raptors and the third team was the New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans. So what happened is that Pascal Siakam now goes to the Indiana Pacers. And then the Indiana Pacers, uh, they get Bruce Brown. Uh, excuse me. The, sorry. The Raptors get Bruce Brown, uh, Jordan Nwora, and then the uh, and Kyra Lewis. And Kyra Lewis is the player that came from the New Orleans Pelicans. So they flipped uh, uh, the New Orleans Pe Pelicans flipped it to the Raptors in exchange for a second round pick. So the Pelicans get a second round pick. Indiana gets Pascal Siakam, and the Raptors get Bruce Brown, Jordan Nwora, Jordan Nwora, and uh, Kyra Lewis, along with three first round picks. So two of those. Uh, of the three first round picks are for, are in 2024 and then there's one in 2026. So the reason why this, you know, the, this trade happened 
is because Indiana, you know, they were one of the teams that I picked in, in the very uh, outset in the preseason as one of the teams I think could be competing, uh, not necessarily for a title, but a, a team that's going to be a problem. Uh, they're the number one rated offensive team in the, in the NBA, and they've had to sustain a few injuries here and there. Tyrese Halliburton, who's their point guard, uh, just came back from an injury. Uh, he was out for a couple of weeks with a hamstring strain. Uh, but the team is a very offensive-oriented team, and they need some defense. And, you know, they already have a, a defensive guy in, 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 in Miles Turner, who's their center. They lost Bruce Brown, you know, uh, last uh, a couple years ago uh, when they traded him to the Denver Nuggets, and he was a very defensive-minded guy. But since then, they haven't they haven't really had that defensive presence. So Pascal Siakam is a, a, a really good two-way player, two-way meaning both offense and defense. So he kind of helps balance, you know, this offensive-oriented team and brings back some defensive-mindedness to help, you know, uh, Miles Turner on the defensive front. So th now the Pacers have a balanced team. They have a Tyrese Halliburton, who's a point guard, a very, very good point guard. Then you have Pascal Siakam, who's going to be probably playing like the power forward spot. And then you have Miles Turner, who's the center. And then you have uh, two other players, uh, Buddy Heald, who's an outside shooting uh, sh uh, sh uh, shooting guard. And then you have Aaron Neesmith, who's a, a small forward kind of defensive minded guy as well. So they have a pretty good team here. Um, and they have a pretty deep team, so they have a bunch of other players that they can come off the bench. I mean, th this was this was a, a move in order to improve their their chance because they're right now sitting as the sixth seed in the East, uh, along with the best offensive team. They can move up the ranks. You know, I mean, the top three teams in the East, you know, are pretty much established. They're essentially going to be Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Philadelphia 76ers. And I don't know if you saw it tonight, but Joel Embiid scored 70 points tonight, by the way. I don't know if you know that, but that's that's ridiculous. Um, Holy so, mackerel. Yeah, yeah, he scored 70 points tonight. And then you have a Carl Anthony Towns who's scoring 60 points. So it's like a big scoring night tonight. Um, but anyway, so getting back to this trade, so this, this, this is the reason why they did it. They wanted to be a little bit more balanced. And the Raptors, you know, they're they're a team that's in rebuild, although their team is doing better than people thought. They have a superstar, I don't want to say a superstar player, but a very good player in Scotty Barnes. And they made the trade with New York Knicks to get Emmanuel quickly and R.J. Barrett. Uh, who both have been playing pretty well with for that team. And then you have, you know, uh, Gary Trent and Jakob Pertl to round up their, their starting lineup. But they have a couple guys coming off the bench, Dennis uh, Schroeder and as, as well as Bruce Brown, the aforementioned Bruce Brown. Um, and I think, in my opinion, Bruce Brown is going to be moved. You know, we can talk about that later in, in, the, in the podcast about the, you know, the, 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 tread, the trade uh, rumors, trade deadline rumors that are coming uh, up. So Bruce Brown's name is definitely floating Eddie. around there. So. Mm hmm so, so I do have a question on Pascal. So, uh, you know, my big stick in sports and what separates champions from, from never made it or they make it and they lose is leadership. Uh, this guy's a two-time All-Star, uh, yep. won an NBA title in 2019, yep. uh, eight years with the Raptors. Yep. Uh, is, is he going to bring leadership to the team and helping them mature and grow? It, I mean, sometimes they, they may not always say it in print. The journalists are too dumb to, to understand. But sometimes some of these trades are also done because he, he has that leadership intangible. Is, is, is he that type of player or, or, is, or is he, uh, I don't want to say follower, but is he somebody where he's they need an already established leader or can he help lead? He, I think he's one of these lead by example types. You know, he's not one of these vocal leader types. You know, I, I mean, he can be that, but that's not his natural tendency or his personality. I would probably put him that's in the same, in the same, you know, uh, uh, cloth as maybe like a Stephen Curry, you know, lead by example, right? You know, um, you know, a good person, right. yeah. good locker room guy, you know, and people kind of follow his lead, but he's not one of these boisterous guys that's going to try to rally the guys to do what they need to do 
He's just not, he's not that type of guy. He, you know, he has a championship. So, you know, he has that to add to his credentials. He's a, you know, a two time all star, all NBA. So, you know, he, he's got the credentials to get, you know, people to listen to him. So if he speaks, I'm sure people are going to listen, but he's just not one of these boisterous type of guys that's just going to, you know, make sure everybody's aligned, you know, like a Draymond Green, if you will. Right. He's not like that. Right, 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 right. And the reason the reason I ask is, if I remember correctly, Indiana's never won a championship in our lifetime that I know of. I think the closest they got with it was with Reggie Miller, or maybe the Bird era, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, it just, it, it, you know, it was just interesting in the sense that they're always in a rebuild or on the verge trying to make it happen. Poor Indiana and the fans. So, uh, 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 they uh, the so so you talked the trade also sent. Uh, Bruce Brown is who uh, and Jordan Nawara to yes. Toronto. Yes. Uh, 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 is that is that right? Okay. Now those guys had their own championship rings. Uh, so who out of this trade do you think got the better deal, or, or is it a trade that's going to benefit both teams? What's your take? Well, on I mean, it, you know, what the, kind the, of grade would you give it? Is what the, I'm asking. Well, yeah, the the Pacers are in a you know win soon. You know, uh, I don't say win now, but win soon. They're start. They're trying to you know, uh, move up the ranks in the East. They have a dangerous team. They have a very deep team, you know, and I I think this is a move before another move, in my opinion. I don't know if it'll happen by the end of this year or sometime next year, but they're definitely building a strong, young, contending team in Indiana. So it depends on what you want, you know, because Toronto Raptors are not trying to win now. They're trying to stockpile picks and get a bunch of tradable assets, you know, to build a team for later. So, you know, if you're if you're grading on the team on, you know, now and and the return on the investment now, I would say it's the Pacers. But for later, it's definitely the Raptors. So, in a sense, they both got what they wanted. And just like yeah. we all, I always say at the draft when people try to give draft grades, I'm like, we're not going to know until at least three years from now, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, okay. yeah. If you okay. want me to give uh, you, like, if you want so me to give you like a grade, I'll give I'll give a, a, a B plus to the Pacers. And I'll probably be give like a B to the Raptors. That would be my my first inclination. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. And we'll we'll revisit this trade in five years. How's that? No, I'm kidding. I'm there you kidding. go. Exactly. Uh, that that's the sad thing about all trades is everybody wants to give them a grade, but we'll never know until years later. Okay. Right. So good luck to both the Raptors and the Pacers. And uh, at the end of the day, I'll be honest. I just want to see. Other teams rise up to the challenge and join the ranks of the Lakers and and and, and, and dynasties like that because I, I think it's good for basketball because uh, I do think one reason basketball has struggled is there's not you know it's well you can't compete with with football but football has got the parity there's like you know a team can dominate for x amount of times but there's always other teams basketball does not seem to have that as much but I could be wrong anyway speaking of basketball and your team uh Golden State Eddie there was some bad news last week on that uh Dijon Milosevic uh passed away uh and and all you heard was uh Golden State coach Golden State coach but he was also a player wasn't he Eddie yeah, but he wasn't in the NBA. He he played in Europe, and you know he was a coach in Europe as well. Um, and then he also was a well-known uh, coach for some players, you know, that are currently in the NBA. You know, uh, he's he definitely had a big uh, influence and impact in uh, Nikola Jokic's career. So he's the one who helped him develop his big man skills, if you will, uh, when he first was drafted by the Denver Nuggets. So uh, you know, uh, Nikola Jokic and uh, Dejan Milojevic. 
they're they're good friends, and this definitely impacted uh, Nikola very very much, as well as a lot of uh, players in the NBA. You know, this guy's one of these good guys. You know, always a smile on their face, very likable, lovable person. You know, just kind of lights up the room wherever he goes. And this is a big loss, uh, not only for the Warriors but the NBA. And you know, uh, you know this this happened actually on the on the night of uh, they were you know the Warriors were having a dinner you know, a team dinner, which, you know, 75% of the team and coaches were at present at this dinner. And uh, Dejan Milojevic had uh, some kind of cardiac event. And, uh, of course, you know, the, the emergency came, uh, took them, you know, to the hospital, uh, you know, did what they could to 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 to, to save him, but they couldn't. And he, you know, uh, he's succumbed to, you know, the, the event on Wednesday morning. And uh, the Warriors were actually were planning to play against the Utah Jazz that Wednesday, um, the, the, the 17th. And the, the, the league essentially just, you know, postponed that game. And then went ahead and postponed the, the subsequent game against the Dallas Mavericks on the 19th, the last Friday. So the Warriors haven't played since, you know, the, 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 I think the 15th, Monday the 15th, when they lost to the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. And they haven't played since the 15th. And they're actually their next game is coming up on the 24th, which is this Wednesday. So, you know, the, 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 the team has gone through a lot, you know, the, the, anytime you see something like that, especially someone that you're close to, it's going to shake you up. It's a very traumatic experience for everybody. A lot of counseling, a lot of, you know, uh, tears, a lot of, you know, just recovery from the team. They're just, they're a team that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how, how, how this plays out, what's going to happen. Cause you know, this team was already kind of struggling as it was. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't clear as to what the reasons were. I mean, there were some locker room grumblings that, you know, some of the young bucks were kind of not really feeling, you know, being on the team with these vets who just didn't necessarily, they, they felt like they weren't really get, give them yeah. the credit that, you know, they, that they were due because, you know, they, they are contributing, you know, and then you have the Draymond Green issue, you know, with uh, being suspended and definitely came back to the team. And, you know, I'm sure he lost a little bit of his, of his voice, you know, then you have Chris Paul who got hurt, you know, they're just kind of like in, 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 in a transition period. And, you know, they're, they're in this win now mode right now because they have Stephen Curry, who's still at his, at his peak. You know, he's probably on the, on, the, on the downside of his peak, you know, of his prime. But he's still a very, very well-known, very well-known well player, well, well-rounded well player. One of the best, I would say, top five players in the NBA still at his ripe age of 35. It might even be 36 or pretty, right. pretty close to it. But, right. you know, they're, they're in a, they're in a win now. They have a salary cap, you know, their, their salary cap is, you know, through the, they're, they're paying luxury tax, you know, and, and, and Lake of isn't having it. You know, he doesn't want to pay all this money for a team that's doing this bad. They're four games under five, four, uh, under 500. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens here. You know, are, are they going to rally around this guy? Which is possible. I mean, you know, Steve Kerr was, you know, there was a, a beat reporter that was that was reporting that, you know, Steve Kerr was, you know, this is this is something that's uh, uncharted, you know, territory for him. You know, how do you how do you deal with something like this? And, you know, he actually had, you know, a, a, a sought some advice from one of his uh, senior, you know, coaches, Ron Adams. And, you know, Ron Adams pretty much told Steve Kerr, hey, you know, what, what do you think the day on would want you to do? And Steve Kerr kind of pondered it and he's like, you know, he kind of laughed. He's like, you know, he probably tells uh, F, F, <laughs> you mother effers, get on the court because you got to win some games, right? So get out there and just win some games. So, right. you know, that's what they're going to try and rally around. You know, they have, you know, they still don't know how they're going to honor him. They, you know, they, they, I know that they're going to do some kind of a T-shirt, you know, uh, you know, league-wide 
you know, when they when they play again on Wednesday. So, you know, we'll see. This team's a veteran team. They could rally around this thing or they can crumble. And, you know, something like this could rally, you know, you know, anytime you have a traumatic event, it usually can it can galvanize a, a, a group of people. And in this case, a group of, of teammates that, you know, we're in shambles and maybe this this helps them kind of recover. We shall see. But it's going to be uh, interesting right. what happens. And, you, know, re- you know, rest in peace, Dayan Milojevic. You know, thanks for all your contributions to the, to the league. And uh, you're, you're definitely going to be sorely missed. And my uh, condolences to you and your family, um, you know, to, to, to the Milojevic. No, it is devastating. It is devastating. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a heart attack in his 40s. And obviously with the COVID vaccine, everybody's asking questions. But at the end of the day, people right. forget it's a family who's suffering. Friends are suffering. So it's a tough thing. Uh, I've got a folder here of all these people who are dying, myocarditis. You know, I'm up to like 400, 500 just from like three or four months. So hopefully uh, 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 he can, his death can help uh I don't want to say help, but, you know, as you were saying, what would he do? Hey, go out there and win, you know. don't. It doesn't get the team yeah. down too much, and, and it helps uh, uh, push them forward. And the thing, too, is in death, sometimes you learn about yourself and you realize things, you know. I just had a friend who uh, helped to start one of our podcasts pass away uh, less than a week yeah. ago, and it was stunning because she's younger than me, you know. And so you just – and he – in fact, she was about his age – and you just don't expect people to die at that age, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, especially from a heart attack. You know, you think car accident or something like that. So it can be scary and uh, you never take life for granted. And, uh, uh, you know, he was here living the American dream, making God awful tons of money uh, doing what he loved. So uh, uh, I'm happy for that. And, and I hope his family's taken care of and uh, uh, God bless him, his family and rest in peace. You know, to to Dijon Milosevic, rest in peace. Uh, all right, Eddie, let's move on here and let's talk some trade deadline rumors. What are you hearing? February 8th is the deadline. You just talked to us about one trade. There's been other trades going down. Uh, have you heard anything about any big names being moved here in the next week or so? I would say that not necessarily the big names, uh, but, you know, I, 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 with the way I'd like to handle it, I mean, last week I talked about some names that could, you know, they're popping up, you know, but, you know, the other thing is that there's some expiring contracts that are very attractive to, in order to make a trade. And yeah. some of these names I did not mention last week, but some of these names that I'll mention, uh, Miles Bridges of the Charlotte Hornets is an expiring contract. I already mentioned the aforementioned Bruce Brown. He's a very attractive player for teams that are trying to get over the hump, that are trying to buy for, you know, a championship or just being, you know, a, a really good team in the playoffs. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, is another player uh, in Atlanta. Atlanta is in this mm-hmm. weird situation where they have a few names on their uh, on their team popping up because they're just having a disappointing yeah. season and they haven't necessarily figured it out. You know, they have Trey Young, Dejounte Murray is another one, um, and, and then Bogdan Bogdanovich. I mean, Clint Capella was another one I mentioned last week. I mean, these are four really good players on the Atlanta Hawks. And, you know, they're, they're being mentioned as guys that are going to be probably dealt, you know, in the tread deadline coming up. Uh, you have another guy like Zach Levine, who I've already mentioned in the past, the, the, the Chicago Bulls are another team that are kind of a disappointment. They have all of this stockpile of talent that just haven't really put it together. DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, mm-hmm. Nikola Vucevic, you know, they had Lonzo Ball, but he's been hurt. So, you know, they're, they're in a, they're in a mode where they're trying to, maybe re- retool, 
you know, and, and, you know, these, these players that they have, they're all different. They could be difference makers for a team like, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers, like the Dallas Mavericks, like the Orlando Magic, you know, like the New York Knicks. These are all teams that the reason I mentioned these four teams, because I think these are the four teams that are definitely going to do a deal uh, in the trade deadline coming up. And then the reason why is because New York Knicks and the Orlando Magic, they're more defensive minded teams, right? And they need some offensive punch. And some of these players that I mentioned, Zach Levine, uh, Miles Bridges, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Terry Rozier is another one from Charlotte. All these guys are offensive-oriented guys that can score the ball. And, and teams that need that scoring punch that are very defensive-minded, they value that. They want that. They need it, right? As long as they can play some form of defense. You know, we found this out with the James Harden. Right. You know, James Harden isn't a defensive-minded guy, but he's a very offensive-minded guy. And he went to a very defensive-minded team in the, in the Los Angeles Clippers. As long as he can get by and do, like, the, you know, what he needs to do from a defensive assignment standpoint and not necessarily excel but do decently at it, that's an adi- a great addition to the team. And James Harden's proven that, you know, you can do that, even for a, a guy who's not very defensive-minded. So some of these other guys that are very offensive-minded can, can join like the Orlando Magic or the New York Knicks and become, you know, integrated into their system and, and provide that scoring punch that that, that team sorely needs. So um, the other teams in the, in the West, the other teams in the West that I would say are probably going to be active are the, the, the Dallas Mavericks for sure. I mean, that team is playing very, very well. Um, and, and, you know, they had the vision of having, you know, two scoring big, you know, big scoring punch guys and in, in Kyrie Irving and, um, and, 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 uh, and Luka Dodon, uh, Luka, Luka Doncic mm-hmm. to, to be, you know, these, these, these scoring forces. And they just surround a bunch of, you know, that those guys with a bunch of shooters, you know, they can always add another player like that. You know, Zach Levine, I think would be a great fit over there. They've been inquiring about a Kyle Kuzma who plays for the Washington Wizards. Kyle Kuzma is one of those offensive oriented guys who can shoot the ball, big guy, big, tall, six foot 10 guy. Um, you know, he would be a great addition to the Dallas Mavericks. And then you go into the Lakers. The yeah. Lakers are one of these teams that have been kind of up and down. They've been, you know, kind of down for a while. Then they started kind of firing the footing and then they started doing well again. So they're kind of hovering around 500, like a game above 500 or so forth. But I think because their point guard depth is in question, you know, they have D'Angelo Russell, you know, who is their point guard. But then you have LeBron James, who's probably the backup point guard. He's not really a true uh, point guard, but he can play it. But then they're, they're, the guy that they had on the team, Gabe Vincent, who came from the Miami Heat, he's been hurt. So they're in the market for getting a good point guard to help complement that team. And guys like DeJounte Murray and, and, and Terry Rozier, who are both point guards, those are names that I think have been popping up on the Lakers, you know, radar. Uh, they just have to figure out a way to make it work. They're probably going to have to uh, involve other teams to bring these, you know, players together. But, you know, these are, these are four teams that I picked out, the Orlando Magic, New York Knicks, Los Angeles Lakers, and Dallas Mavericks, that I think are going to be pretty uh, busy during the trade deadline figuring out how to, to – to, to uh, retool the roster and make them even more formidable in the, in the playoffs. Eddie. So uh, just for the audience, especially with basketball rules, there's so much different and and they're very soft and not hard rules at times. So when you're talking about expiring contract, what you're saying is the player is going to become a free agent and the team wants to get something out of it before uh, uh, that happens. Uh, uh, And uh, what I found when I was doing my research on all this a couple of weeks ago and reading up on it, 
the first thing I started to realize was what you said, that a lot of teams that seem to be disappointing, for lack of a better word, it's like they're looking to shed themselves of these big contracts, you right. know? And right. uh, uh, I just found it ironic. Is is So I can see why basketball has so many more trades than uh, 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 the NFL. Well, for, for one reason, they have a soft cap. I mean, technically, it may not be a soft cap, but for all intents and purposes, in reality, it really is compared to the NFL. But it's fun to see that. And uh, the only downside of free agency uh, is, remember, as a kid, and this was not good for the players, so I'm, I'm not advocating to go back to this. But, I mean, you get that one player on that one team for 10, 12 years, you know, <laughs> his whole career. Right. Poor guy wasn't earning yeah. anything, though, in that system. But uh, uh, that's that's the downside I see with sports today with all these free agents, trades. But nobody cares. Because at the end of the day, they're going to remember a handful of players and just remember that the Lakers were champs one year. Miami was champ this year. Boston this year, that year. So I guess in the end, it doesn't matter. But uh, uh, keep us in the loop on that. Uh, one final, just give me your quick 30-second take on it. Uh, I didn't put it in, in our notes to discuss. But the uh, Knicks are riding a pretty good uh, win. Uh, I don't want to say winning streak. They may have lost, but they're in a positive win column here the last dozen games or so. Uh I've never seen the Knicks uh, uh, win the championship in my lifetime. Uh, how close are they? Uh, to win a championship? I, I, you know, they're definitely not a title contending team this year. I think that, you know, they're, 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 they're a formidable team that could create some problems for some teams that are not ready. Like the Niners you saw against the Packers where they almost lost. They can be that yeah. kind of team in the NBA where they can kind of take somebody out who's maybe sleeping at the wheel a little bit, right? Um, they're 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 definitely right. a playoff contending team. I would put them probably around the sixth, fifth or sixth best team in the East. Um, you know, uh, in that range, especially now that they you know got OG Ananobi on their team, uh, it's definitely helped their team quite a bit. And uh, you know, they're going to be in the market of trying to get somebody else to beef up the offensive side on that on that team because defensively they're they're one of the top defensive rated teams in the NBA along with the Orlando Magic, along with the Boston Celtics, along with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, you know, the, the, these guys are, are, are in that uh, in that conversation as far as defensive-minded teams, and they're going to be an issue. But as far as title contending, I don't see that yet. Could they get there? Yeah, maybe with the, maybe a, a couple draft picks and maybe a, a big trade, then maybe in the next maybe two to three years. But right now, I want to say they're title contending. They're, right. they're definitely a formidable uh, team in, in that, that could cause problems in, 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 the, in, the, in the playoffs. I just remember the little King. If I remember correctly, I always marveled at Bernard King and, and the Afros back of that oh, yeah. era. And then seeing them fly through the air. And like Dr. J, he was always one of my favorites. And uh, I remember him and Pete Maravich. Yeah, you because know, uh, of the oh, comics, yeah. believe it or not. They were big advertisers in the back of the comics. I can't remember what they were advertising, but Pete Maravich and Dr. J, you know. So, well, hopefully, hopefully, because, you know, for the NBA, it's just the Lakers uh, in Chicago, but not even Chicago the last 10 years. But, you know, they, you need those big cities that have quality teams for your ultimate success from a business standpoint. All righty. All right, and there we have it. There's our basketball take. We talked to trade. We talked uh, 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 the sadly the death uh, uh, of an individual as well as trade rumors. Eddie's here every week to keep us in the loop, and we shall uh, talk more trade rumors next week, and we will see what's happening around the league. But let's move on to the football, to the National Football League. <clears throat> we didn't talk about this last week, 
uh, and there have been a few coaching hires since 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 we talked about it a couple weeks ago. The NFL had coaching hug. The remind the audience. The Falcons fired Arthur Smith. The Panthers fired Frank Reich. The Raiders fired Josh McDaniels. The, the last two were fired in season. The Chargers fired Brandon Staley. Titans surprisingly fired Mike Vrabel. They should have kept him and traded him. Uh, um, and uh, Ron Rivera was fired by the Commanders. And uh, they said it was it was a mutual parting in New England. But no, Bill Belichick was fired. <laughs> Listen to me. Listen, I can't stand it when teams sugarcoat something like that. No, he was fired. They didn't want him back. And same thing with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll is whining. That's all he's doing is whining. This is a guy who destroyed the USC Trojan uh, uh, football program and then left and got rewarded. I don't like Pete Carroll. That's just a bad human being. You know, you don't destroy a program, leave the players hanging who've committed before the transfer porters around, make your millions and go, oh, hell, man, they're going to they're gonna start putting all kinds of things. I'm out of here. And that's what he did, you know. Not a good dude. Uh, 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 so I'm not glad he got fired, but I'm not shedding any tears, you know. And I was wondering about Pete Carroll. I'm like, dude, you're 71, 72. It's not like you're Bill Belichick. You know, you haven't gone to the playoffs in about 10 years now, yeah, you know, or, 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 or the Super Bowl. So I wasn't Let's stunned. See. So let's talk to Atlanta Falcons. I'm sorry, Eddie. No, I was going to say, they, they have, they, they've been to a Super Bowl, I think, maybe, what, 10 years ago? In that range, or maybe less yeah, than that. Yeah, Russell eight years. Wilson. It was. It was. Yeah, Russell Wilson against yeah, the it Denver was Russell Broncos. Russell Wilson, and uh, yeah. Yep. yep. And they destroyed the Broncos. They, I mean, I knew yep. that game was going to go the way it did. Yeah. So, but so let's on head on to the uh, 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 some of these teams who have let their their coaches go and where they stand. So the Atlanta Falcons, Bill Belichick, obviously the former. Patriots head coach. We're not going to hit every player that's interviewed for every team. There's just too many players. Some teams have already interviewed 10 candidates. It's just the papers don't report on it, but the data's out there. But Bill Belichick has had a second interview, a uh, former Patriots head coach. A snag has come up, and uh, they're saying it's pretty much his job, but he has issues with the CEO, Rich McKay. And per mm. a lot of the journalists out there, and, and they're correct. They're saying he may not want to report to Rich McKay. And and, and if I'm, I'm Arthur Blank, I listen to why he was let go. I go talk to uh, Kraft and find out. But the bottom line is he was let – Bill Belichick is no longer the head coach of the New England Patriots because Bill Belichick, the general manager, failed at his job. Bill Belichick, the general manager, got Bill Belichick, the head coach, fired. Again, I don't care what the paper said. He was fired. Uh, uh, Kraft did not want him back. So uh, – Without Tom Brady, you hear me every week. He's a loser. His record's like, what, 29, 48? Something. It's, it's terrible, but, but he's a loser. Other candidates, Jim Harbaugh, Ben Johnson is a hot candidate for the Detroit Lions, and Ejiro Everro, the Panthers defensive coordinator. And the reason I brought him up is that was pretty much the only bright spot in the Panthers at times was they had a solid enough defense. Uh, the defensive coordinator uh, for the uh, 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 Ravens, is also being interviewed. Mike McDonald, legit. You saw that defense. The one that uh, that's and Raheem Morris. I feel bad for Raheem Morris. Look, he did not. Have, he's never. He's not a good head coach. His record states that. I'm referring to his record. But I feel bad for him, Eddie. He's black, so he's being interviewed by all these teams, you know. And it's like, you know, I, I hope he's being given a legit shot in these he's interviews. Shot, you right? know, uh, it right. just seems, yeah, it just seems unfair. But uh, he's a Rams defensive coordinator. 
Antonio Pierce was interviewed, but let's, uh, that's a typo on my part. I should have removed him because we know he's been hired already. And yeah. Steve Wilkes, the 49ers defense coordinator, who was an interim head coach for the uh, Carolina Panthers last year after, uh, after uh, I can't even remember who got fired. Uh, 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 he's in the college ranks now, Nebraska or Oklahoma, one of those teams. Uh, but uh, he, so he's, he's actually your boy now. He's the defensive coordinator for the Niners, and uh, right. he's a pretty smart guy. And the reason I say that is that defense was struggling. They made so, he, he acquiesced to making changes. He played was a team player, and it paid off for the defense. So having a head coach that's not stubborn, I think, is key to being successful. So that's Atlanta Falcons. The whole point with all this is it's going to rest on Bill Belichick if he can work with McKay. Do you think Bill Belichick, without a quarterback now, we saw how he we saw him in Cleveland without a great quarterback. We saw him in the Peyton New England without a great quarterback. Now he's gonna go to Air, Atlanta with no great quarterback. If he does, I think his losing continues. Now I'm biased. I don't want me I don't want to influence you. But do you think Bill Belichick would be a good hire for the Falcons? It depends on whether or not if he's just gonna be a head coach, then yes. But if he's given full reign, then no. Yeah. That's you know that's my take in and uh, I don't know why he would my, I guess my issue is why do you want to go to Atlanta Bill you're 71 that program is still two to three years away from even thinking about competing seriously that's the weakest division uh, even though they were in, in, in a division hunt it's, it just seems you want Don you want the record I think uh, Don you know whoever has the the most wins and I think he just wants to stick around for that so I just don't I just I see losing continuing wherever Belichick goes <clears throat> unless he goes to a team with an established starting quarterback. The Carolina Panthers. Uh, there's nothing to talk about here, Eddie. They're still in the interview process. Uh, Dave Canales, the Buccaneers offensive coordinator. Hiro uh, uh, Evero again. Ben Johnson, again, the hot coaching candidate. Uh, Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator. And Todd Monken the Ravens offensive coordinator. Look, I don't care what I have to do. If I'm the Ravens, I will pay the man the world to keep him in Baltimore because he's only been in Baltimore one year. And that's a setback for Lamar. If he leaves after this year, uh, you know, so, so I hope he sticks around over there. Doesn't go again, Raheem Morris, Rams defensive coordinator. And this guy, I would not touch him with a 10 foot pole, not uh, uh, based on the fact of how he ended his run in Atlanta <laughs> and how he ended his defensive coordinator run or his last game, his last two games in uh, uh, Dallas is Dan Quinn. The Come up, Dan Quinn. Coordinator. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't dislike him, but I'm like, as an outsider looking in, I'm like, you know, it looks like there's better candidates, but people don't understand. I was an interpreter in the military it was not my job. I was just very good at it, but I wasn't the best Spanish speaker but I knew how to carry myself. I got along with all the higher ups. I knew what my role was. There was this one other guy. He was my bud, Eddie. He was your, t there's, there's a uh, division in the military called, called, called the boats and mates. I mean, the deck hands. like when you go to the Navy, you don't, a deck hand. When you go into the Navy, oh, uh, you don't have a job that's designated. You become, you're thrown into the boats and mates division, chipping, painting. It's the most miserable job. So one of my good friends was Latino. He was Puerto Rican. And he was your stereotypical Latino. He used to always rag on me that I wasn't Latino enough. 
Genuinely, <laughs> he, he'd get so mad because I always got the interpreting gigs. You know, I was always, well, one of the people, I know Spanish, blah, blah, blah. And I tried to tell him, dude, clean your act up. Never did. And my point in saying this is some people interview better than others. They get along sure. with the owner, the general manager. So it's not always the best football mind that will get the job. And I wonder where Dan Quinn, obviously Dan Quinn is an excellent defensive coordinator. Uh, uh, I wouldn't put him as an elite defensive coordinator, though. Uh, but in his defense, today's NFL is much different than it was 15, 20 years ago. All the rules have been made to benefit the offense at the defense's expense. So being a sure. defensive coordinator is much tougher today. You know. All right. So the Carolina Panthers, we don't know where they stand. They're still in the interview process. But the Las Vegas Raiders have a new head coach, Antonio Pierce. And we were both wrong. We both thought that he would go with the yeah. big name uh, uh, splash. But I think there's a reason why they, they were forced. I read an article that validated it. You know, To the audience out there, it's too late. But they do it every year. It was two years in a row. Sign up for the athletic in the holidays. Second year, they had their $1 for 12 months. I signed up for it, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is my favorite site. It's it's incredible. And ironically, there's about a dozen names I, I recognize where I used to sign that check, to cut them a check once a month, you know, in terms of reporters. But uh, the article was, was very good, Eddie. It kind of said, look. He went five and four. So it's not like his record was great, you know, five and four. Right. But the players, he won the players over and he won the fans over. And that's Antonio Pierce, happens. right? Josh McDaniels, correct. That's what happens with a man that was so hated like Josh McDaniels. It wasn't hard for Antonio Pierce yep. to elevate himself. The reason I say that is uh, that, that one report said the Raiders were backed into a corner. They kind of had no choice. The, the players really wanted him and the fans were supporting. For sure. Uh, so too. And they, with their backs against the wall, they, they hired him. Now, ESPN analyst Emmanuel Achos, he ripped the hire. He he yep. akened it to a substitute teacher who has all the jokes, makes some funny <laughs> jokes. Everybody loves a substitute teacher until the substitute teacher becomes the permanent teacher. And there's a lot of truth to what he says uh, because – Antonio Pierce has no coordinator experience. He's a leader of men. I get that. One of my jobs in the Navy, I did not know the job, but I could lead men. They all followed me. They understood who I was. And, and I was an E5, and I had two E6s below me. So when you can lead your men, they will follow. So, so, so that's extremely important. Uh, but he's going to have to start quick next year, meaning uh, For sure. the Raiders have, hired, have fired their coaches midseason. <laughs> they have a history of that as well. So if he doesn't get this team off and going uh, uh, hot next year, it may give ownership the impetus to go, okay, we're going to cut him loose. So I hope that's not the case. Uh, but I do fear for his job because he has no quarterback. Uh, Adrian O'Connell, to me, can be a, back, a solid backup quarterback. But I don't think he's a starter in this league. Uh, 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 so – Without that quarterback, I'm hoping that the Raiders can really rally and play around him because he seems to be a, he's a hard nosed player. I remember him as a linebacker in his player days. Uh, he was that yep. one guy who was straight to the point, no nonsense. Uh, good hire or not? Uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to be a good hire for the Raiders only because you know you have to you have to do more than just be a guy that everybody likes. You know, and, 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 you know, is he an X's and O's guy? I don't know. Uh, if he hires somebody to do all that stuff and he manages it appropriately, then maybe. Right. So, but we don't know. I mean, the thing is, is that 
you know, you got to give your, everybody starts somewhere, right? Everybody has to have a shot at some point if you're improving. And this guy, you know, in an in, interim basis proved that, you know, he can get a team to rally for him and play hard for him. Now, just let's see how he does over 16 games or 17 game season now. Um, you know, exactly. the, the, we will find out. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's a great hire, but you know, the, the, the team likes him, the fan base likes him. And like you said, they, the, the Raider ownership was cornered to do this and we, we shall see. But I think you're right. He's going to have a short hook. He's going to have, you know, he's going to have to prove that the team is going to be, have a winning record, you know, after six or seven weeks. Cause if they're below that, then I, I think you're right. He might be, you know, he might be moved. He, they might move on, move well, on from him midseason. Well, here's the deal. When we were kids, Eddie, the traditional head coach hire was somebody who came from the defensive side that was a coordinator or the offensive side that was a coordinator. That's kind of been thrown out the window. However, you look at John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, and there's one more in the league. Uh, they're not coordinators, you know, and and, and uh, uh, they've done very well. So so and John Harbaugh came as a special teams coach. Right. So, I mean, his hiring was questioned, too. So. History has shown Antonio Pierce can be uh, successful. However, the Roonies are very patient with the Steelers, you know, and uh, it looks like uh, uh, the, the Ravens have been too with their ownership. The Raiders are not. So that, again, that's my fear. I, I kind of like Antonio Pierce. I like a man's man because I come from the military. I come from a Latino family where my mom was a man's man. No. <laughs> my mom ruled with an iron hand. But I think that's important in today's league. So much success, Antonio Pierce. I agree with Emmanuel. I don't know if it's Acho or Acho. Acho. But he gives some crazy takes. But the guy, Acho, but he gives some very insightful takes, too. You may disagree with him one day and agree with him with the next day. But that's what I like about him. Okay. Now, the Los Angeles Chargers. Jim Harbaugh uh, had a second interview. For those of you who don't know who Jim Harbaugh is, Michigan Wolverines head coach, national championship this past year. Uh, it took him about four years to rebuild that program. Remember, after three years, he couldn't beat Ohio State. Fire him, fire him. But now he brought him a national championship, and it wasn't even close. Uh, he has a Super Bowl appearance with the infamous Colin Kaepernick, and uh, he lost to his brother in the Super Bowl, uh, John Harbaugh. He's a winner wherever he goes. His first start was at UCSD, I think. Uh, is that where your daughter's going to go, or one of the colleges, the, the Toreros? The Toreros? Uh, yeah, well, it's is one of the San Diego State. San Diego State is one of the ones that she's looking at, and hopefully, hopefully she gets accepted too. Yeah, well, that's one of her top four. She will. She'll get accepted. That's that's that that's San Diego State Aztecs, man. And man, I can get in there. <laughs> Come on, man. No, it's, hey, it's not. It's, it's a hard school to get into now, man. Believe it or not, it's very popular now. San Diego State, the Aztecs. San Diego State, yes. That's that's. I, I, I was I was gonna go there. That 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 was where I was gonna go originally. Yeah, but uh, uh, he was with uh, the Toreros. I forget which. It's not San Diego State, obviously, but uh, he was oh, the there. Was they, it University of San Diego? Yeah, University yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, University yeah, of San Diego. Yeah, University of San Diego. Yeah, University of San Diego. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, and what makes what makes Harbaugh pretty good is he can adapt to the player's strength. So, for example, he had Alex Smith used him in a certain way, and then he used Colin Kaepernick, and he did that at Michigan too. And he can get the most out of his players. His only downside is he's like me in this sense: you're <laughs> you push so hard, you don't yeah. accept. Uh, 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 substandard work 
that wears on people and you have a shelf life wherever you go. About 25 years ago, I realized I had about a five year shelf life at whatever job before we got sick of one another. So, so he's that kind of person, you know? So I think he wants his job because I mean, he's been here before. It's be the weather's beautiful and for what they're going to pay him, he can afford to live in the best neighborhoods, you know? So right. I, I, I kind of uh, like him for this job and uh, uh, others, you know, again, Ben Johnson, uh, uh, Mike McDonald, the Ravens defensive coordinator, Monkin, the offensive coordinator, uh, Raheem Morris again, Dan Quinn again, uh, Vrabel. Vrabel's name was mentioned here, Steve Wilkes. So the problem with the Chargers is they're cheap. They don't like to pay their head coaches. So at the end of the day, if Harbaugh does not get this job, it's going to come down to money. That's what it's going to come down to. you know. So, so I think Harbaugh is a leading candidate here, though. Uh, but that said, it's an attractive job in terms of San Diego itself. So they could get a big name, even if it's not Harbaugh, uh, uh, Vrabel, uh, you know, a, a, a Ben Johnson. Uh, but to be quite honest, I would not mind seeing uh, the Ravens defensive coordinator or the offensive coordinator out here uh, as well. I'm not a big Vrabel fan because he, I don't know if he's willing to modernize his mentality in terms of the offense he wants. The Titans, they have a new head coach. Brian Callahan, the the former Bengals offensive coordinator. Who is he the son of, Eddie? Do you know? Yeah, uh, uh, the the Callahan, Rich Callahan. I think you used to coach for the Raiders. Bill Callahan. Yeah. Bill Callahan. Yeah. Bill Callahan. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, yeah, yeah. yeah. Raiders. I want to say, don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure Nebraska Cornhuskers as well. Uh, in fact, he took the Raiders to the Super Bowl. He yes. got blown out by John Gruden's uh, Bucks in that Super Bowl. Right now, he's an offensive line. He, yeah, he's, he's an offensive line coach for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, uh, Bill Callahan is, but uh, so Brian Callahan is a coach. 2012 to 2015, he was an assistant with Denver. Worked with Peyton Manning. He's worked with Matthew Stafford. Uh, Tim Tebow taught him. You can't look at certain players in the conventional way. Uh, you know, he's worked with Derek Carr, obviously Joe Burrows. So I don't want to say he's a quarterback guru, but he's been around enough great quarterbacks to where he understands the game, the nuances. And you can't fault. What I'm saying is he's got the resume to have been hired. So I wasn't surprised with this hire because I do know the reason Mike Vrabel was fired was because they didn't want to. I don't know if he did it. But he had a couple of bad seasons here, but they want a more modern offense. They want that Ram style, that Bengal style offense. You know, they want that whiz kid to come in. And they may have got it at Brian Callahan. Uh, it's a terrible fit right now because that team needs a complete rebuild to implement his offense. You know, and DeAndre Hawkins is kind of old and they're paying him a lot of money. So I think you're going to see a lot of player personnel changes this offseason. What are your thoughts on this hire? Brian Callahan, son of Bill Callahan. You know, I, I can't comment too much because I don't know much about this guy. And, you know, I don't know how his system really works. And, you know, Tennessee Titans, like you said, are probably going to do an overhaul anyway. I mean, you know, you saw Derrick Henry kind of, you know, when he was getting off the field for his last game and kind of, you know, bidding, you know, due to the whole uh, the whole stadium, kind of almost acting like it's his last game. So, yeah, I mean, he's probably going to come in and whoever's going to come in and, and clean shop. And, 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 and like you said, they, they have a bunch of older guys that, you know, are probably just not – you know, panning out like a DeAndre Hopkins and, uh, you know, and, and Derrick right. Henry's old. So they have to, they have to retool and uh, they have a Ty J Spears who's a decent running back, but he's not an every down back. He's more of a change of pace back. Um, they have a, a good tight end, uh, Chico Zim Okongwu, I think his name is. He's, he's actually pretty good. So 
Um, you know, I think that, you know, he's an emerging person to, to play. And then they have the Will, uh, Will, Will Levis, right? We shall see. You know, I don't think uh, Tannehill is going to be the guy. I think that guy, Will Levis, is going to be the guy. No, no, no. He's um, gone. He's gone. He's gone. Who? Who? Who's, who's gone? Tannehill? Tannehill's gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tannehill's, yeah. Tannehill's, Tannehill's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're we'll, not going to bring it back. Yeah, we'll uh, leave this. So, so, yeah, I mean, they're going to revamp but, it. So I, I got to ask you this, Eddie, because uh, Ron Carthon, I think, is their general manager. Isn't he a former Niners guy? Ooh, I don't I don't, I don't. know that name Did is he not. he from the staff from the Niners? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that name. I, I want to say Ron Carthon. Either way, I haven't been impressed with his uh, GM moves. And uh, uh, that said, I think uh, – uh, They've got the quarterback in place. Whether he can be an NFL quarterback is still uh, 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 unknown. Ron Carthon, that's what it is. God, we're getting old, Eddie. I remember him now. Uh, uh, running back for the Washington, uh, I mean, the Indianapolis Colts. We are getting old, aren't we? But yeah, he was in San Francisco 49ers. He was hired by the, he was the director of pro personnel and he was promoted to director of player personnel in 2021 and 2023 he was hired by the titans as their general manager and i know the fans have not been happy with some of his moves but he gets a fresh slate here so we'll see how that goes i think it was a good hire i think this guy has a proven resume he's not a whiz kid that won a championship being an oc for one year he's paid his dues and he's worked with some great quarterbacks and i think that will that will help out will levis uh and will levis seems like the type of guy who wants to learn wants to grow isn't arrogant so mm-hmm. the, the only thing weird about him is uh is he drinks mayonnaise he puts mayonnaise in his coffee can you can you but yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah we latinos we eat some strange we we eat some strange foods but i've never heard of that one <laughs> i haven't either all I right haven't either. the washington command yeah the washington commanders they have <laughs> So I finally broke him out here because I kept seeing Raheem Morris, poor guy. So they had their second interview with, with uh, the Rams defensive coordinator, Raheem Morris. Uh, Eric Bieniemy got his uh, interview. Uh, the Rams defensive coordinator again, Mike McDonald, Dan Quinn again, and Anthony Weaver. Uh, he's an assistant head coach, defensive line coach. Uh, so that's who they're looking at. But again, second interview with uh, uh, Raheem Morris. So for those of you wondering, why I said I hope Raheem Morris isn't just a token uh, interview. Uh, and the reason I'm concerned, Eddie, is because he wasn't a very good head coach. Uh, with the Buccaneers, he was 17 to 31. That's a 354 winning percentage. As an interim head coach with the Falcons, he was 5 and 7, a 364 winning percentage. So, what I always tell the fans out there is having been in that game and, and knowing coaches and players and things like that is you don't know squat. Just like any gig, there are things that happen every day that we don't even consider because all we see is the product on the field. Uh, so uh, uh, I hope he's improved enough, uh, matured enough. Because remember, Bill Belichick was a loser with Cleveland before New England hired him. So so, so these coaches can do something. So I just hope the poor guy's getting a legit shot here. I'm not a big fan of Eric Bieniemy yet, only because it was his first year actually calling plays. And Eric Bieniemy needs to, needs to do what I had to do. And, and it's tough. That is mature. My first gig at KFFL, the startup, I was brutal to my people because I came from the military. Uh, I came from a world where failure was not accepted. You know, if you fail, you die. And and uh, uh, the enemy's a bit old school. You know, it's like it's my way, the highway. Today's players are different. But you, I think I did a paper a few years ago, many years ago on Super Bowl head coaches and at all the Super Bowls there were like only one or two who could be considered players coaches 
that have actually won it. You know, so uh, disciplinarians tend to be uh, winners. And I just think the enemy probably needs a little bit more seasoning under a coach who isn't going to take his crap and is going to let him mature and develop as an actual offensive coordinator. For the people out there, Andy Reid called the plays, not the enemy. You know, so don't think he's been an offensive. No, he was only an offensive coordinator in title. You know, so Washington, we don't know where they stand right now uh, at all. Now, New England, this was a little controversial. I'm just going to lay the story out and I'm, I'm going to give you my opinion. Is uh, Gerard Mayo, is he woke or not? One of the first things he came out and says, he sees race. And that was a big downer for most people. Uh, that he says that people who don't see color can't see racism. And my comment to him is, no, we all see color. What we're tired of is seeing one color get preferential treatment over another. In my lifetime, I've seen whites get the preferential treatment. I've seen my mother treated like dirt. I've seen my mother looked down upon. I've seen her crapped on. So that affected me growing up. Now I'm seeing the flip where whites are being treated like dirt and blacks are being, uh, 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 every excuse is being made for them. That's just what I see. What gets me angry is, we shouldn't be seeing it either way. And uh, so when I saw it, I was like, oh, God, you know. However, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because if he doesn't win, he's gone. And all the fans care about is winning. So he can overcome the uh, 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 the turd he stepped in uh, by trying to make a point. And uh, he, I don't like the hire, but not because of what he said, Eddie. The guy's got no experience. 2008, he was a first-round pick by the Patriots. He retired in 2015. He became the linebackers coach in 2019 and held that job until 20 till last year. He's only 37. Uh, it, the team wanted him, so there's, they must see an X factor in him, but he has no experience as a coordinator. Maybe he's the leader of men. I don't know. Again, I'm, I will, I'm the first to admit, we're on the outside. They must see something in him that we don't. But at the bottom, at the bottom line, at the end of the day, he's got to win, you know. So how much of a leash will they give him? Uh, 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 will he have a few years of rebuild? Because I think that team needs a minimum of two years at least before you can look at him and go, well, now you're ready to at least compete. They need at least three years before, okay, you can compete for a division now. So I think the team needs to give him a shot. Uh, uh, but I have no clue what kind of coach this guy's going to be because he has no experience at that level, even though he's been a player and a coach, uh, and a linebacker's coach, doesn't mean you're going to be a good head coach. What are your thoughts? You know, I think all these teams are looking for the next Mike Tomlin, right? The guy who just came out of nowhere and just turned a franchise into, like, a winner. Not They, they were already a winner, but, you know, just continue the winning. You know, yeah. and he was kind of an unknown entity, you know, so everybody's looking for, you know, this, the, you know, the next Sean McVay, right? You know, the guys are just kind of like young bucks who know how to, you know, rally up the troops and get things going, and you know, that's what I, I think this is where, you know, this is why they're probably doing it, is looking to find that next, you know, young, you know, inspiring coach. And they probably thought he had the makeup to be. Right, there. right. And, and you know what, though, Eddie, the key issue here is the fact that uh, he has no experience. He's not a whiz kid like uh, Sean McVay was or or the guy in Cincinnati or others. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. And I'm going to keep me, I'm going to keep my eye on this one just because of the soap opera drama that I that I know 
is going to happen. I've been involved in politics too much not to know that this it's going to hit the fan in one form or another. And if he's winning, nobody will care. But if he's losing, it's going to get ugly. All right. The Seattle Seahawks. Look, they're just going through their process, Eddie. Uh, uh, Evero, the Panthers defensive coordinator. Ben Johnson, the Lions offensive coordinator. Raheem Morris again. Dan Quinn again. Now, Dan Quinn was the uh, defensive coordinator of the Seahawks uh, uh, right before right. they went to, and won the Super Bowl. And then he got the right. Falcons job. Right. So they're they're still in the process. Uh, and again, what I found interesting, Eddie, was Ben Johnson came up four times with interviews for four different teams. Dan Quinn, four different teams. Ejiro uh, uh, Everro, three teams. Jim Harbaugh, three teams. Mike McDonald, four teams. Raheem Morris, five teams. Steve Wilkes, twice. And Todd Monken, twice. So these are the it players, meaning yeah. – that that these are your future coaches of tomorrow. They may not get a job today, but they will get a job within the next one to two years, unless the teams they go back to collapse. You know, like Dan Quinn probably took a hit. Uh, any thoughts overall before we move on in terms of the head coaches? No, man. I think uh, you know they're still going through their processes. They, you know, it's obvious that they haven't settled on any candidates. They're trying to go through the, their process, the Rooney Rule process as well. And uh, we'll we'll see what happens, what what plays out in the next couple of weeks. Right, right, right. And you know what? I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine. Uh, I want to say eight, ten years ago, who was a black reporter, and he agreed with me. I go, look, if there's the hot candidate, if I'm the owner, I'm like, screw the rooting rule. I know who I want, and it had nothing to do with color as much yeah. as like Brian Dabo. Remember a couple of years ago, right. he was a hot candidate. Every year there seems to be one. Then the guy agreed with me. He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, I feel bad for the guys going to the interview wondering, am I here as a, just because of my skin color to get it out of the way or am I legit? Uh, we talked about it for a while over a beer. And those conversations are fun uh, uh, when you actually are conversing to learn, to grow, and, and, and to discover. They're never fun when they're hate-filled, and I've been in those too. <laughs> All right, the playoffs, Eddie. The Baltimore Ravens were just too much for the Houston Texans. Look. The Texans were riding high. There was a, a, People were saying they can compete with anybody. Enter the Ravens. Uh, uh, on the side note, it was the most watched game on ESPN with 31.8 million people watching. Uh, the wow. Texans played well in the first half, as most people saw. Yeah. And then it was just they, they fell apart in the second half. I don't want to say that the Ravens were too much. They just fell apart. The Ravens made adjustments, veteran team, veteran players, and they just put the screws to C.J. Stroud. They made C.J. Stroud look like a rookie. And But right. most importantly, the one thing I did notice in that game, Eddie, they did not contain Lamar Jackson. When he ran, there was nobody, there was nobody near oh, yeah. him. So he gained 100 oh, yeah. yards. And I'm like, that's one reason I, I, I thought they lost. I mean, Lamar Jackson was 11 for 100 yards with two touchdowns. That's 9.09 yards per carry. You cannot let a quarterback do that. Uh, 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 and the one team I think that could stop him is the uh, uh, 49ers, but they're beat up right now. So right now I look at the Ravens as the team to beat. Uh, the Texans rushing attack went MIA. Uh, people may not realize their rushing attack was helping set up their passing game, especially with the deep ball. Well, they had 2.72 yards per carry average, 38 rushing yards, Eddie, 38 rushing yards they had. So C.J. Stroud never had a chance because without a rushing attack to keep some kind of semblance of honesty there, whether it's through a play-action pass play or just, uh, you know, to keep the defense honest, once that was gone, you knew the 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 the, the, the game was going to get out of hand, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, it forced the Texans to become one-dimensional. Stroud went yep. 
19 for 33, 19 out of 33 for 175 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Again, he looked like a rookie. And Eddie, you do, I'm sure you know, they did not score an offensive point. It was uh, their touchdown was from a punt return. Yep. And yep. the Ravens exactly. ended up rushing for 229 yards. What was your take on this game? What stuck out from with you uh, in this game? Well, I mean, I, I, it's something that I called last week, even before the game, that we were talking about the matchups. And I said that the big matchup to watch for was the Baltimore Ravens D against C.J. Stroud because I thought that the Baltimore Ravens D was going to expose, you know, that he's a rookie. And just, you know, just like they did, right. not that they exposed Brock Purdy, but, you know, he, no, they, they, they're, they're, they're a defense that's hard. They're a defense that's hard to read. And, and they, they're, they're, they're one of, they're, they're, they're one of the top ranked, if not the top ranked defense. And they're that for a reason. They have the personnel that causes problems. They have the scheme that causes problems and a team that has an, a, a, an inexperienced quarterback is going to be, you know, they're going to, they're going to be revealed really, you know? So I think that's essentially what happened. I think that, that to me, that was the key. Is, is the Baltimore Ravens D against C.J. Stroud or vice versa, C.J. Stroud versus the Baltimore Ravens D. I, I agree, Eddie. I, I, the, th- the difference between the Browns and the Ravens is the Ravens have more than one edge rusher that can get to you because of the way the schemes uh, are set up, whereas the Browns have Miles Garrett. And that's their whole focal point in terms. That's their stud. That's the guy who's going to get you. And it was just too much for them to overcome. Uh, You know, so so the Ravens have home field advantage, and they will be hosting the Chiefs next week. We're going to talk about the Chiefs in a moment. San Francisco hangs on to beat the upstart Green Bay Packers. Uh, Talk to me. First of all, let me set it up for you. Debo Samuel went out with a shoulder injury. The weather played a big factor. Uh, however, they persevered, I thought, and I thought that alone was a victory. Now, I'm not talking about a hollow victory, you know, these victories that don't count. I thought this was a very important game to show the Niners in their heads, hey, we can come back down. We can we can come back and win when we're down. Uh, give me your takes. Uh, and uh, This is your team. You know them inside out. Uh, uh, talk to me, first of all about uh, uh, De- the loss of Debo Samuel- Samuels and then Brock Purdy struggles. So I knew that early on when I was watching this game that the, the, the Packers looked ready to play and the Niners looked asleep. They just did not seem to be sharp. I don't know if it was that two-week time off. I'm sure it was, or maybe they were just full of themselves. I don't know, but it was very apparent that, you know, they got the punch in the mouth and then, and then they woke up. Right. And of course the, the elements had something to do with it. You know, the, 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 I knew anytime, anytime there's a, a, a rain, it's a neutralizer, right? It's, it's yeah. a game changer. You just don't know the turnovers are, are, are the big, you know, the, the difference maker in the game and, you know, turnovers, you know, unfortunately, you know, happen more on the, on the Packers side. It could have happened on the Niners side if, you know, the Packers, you know, could intercept the ball. But if that had happened, I think it would have been a different outlook uh, outcome. But the Niners struggle when they don't have their full squad. They have, they struggle in particular when they don't have Debo Samuel. And I don't know why that's an adjustment. I think that Kyle Shanahan still needs to figure out because it's very apparent that when he has his full toolbox, he knows what to do. But as soon as one of those pieces is gone, he's, he struggles. 
and uh, the, he's got to have some kind of contingency plan in case any of these guys get hurt. And and and, and he was scrambling uh, to figure out how to game plan once he lost that guy. So that's my concern with these guys. I mean, it, the, the 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 MRI X-ray show that it's nothing serious. So I think he's 50-50 right now for, for, for Sunday's game. I think he's going to play. They're probably going to inject him with a bunch of painkillers. You know, he's too much of a difference maker. This is going to the Super Bowl. They, You know, this is Kyle Shanahan's legitimate real big shot to go to the Super Bowl now, uh, even though he's been in the championship game four times in the past, what, five, six years. So, yeah. um, you know, so so that, that's my read. I, I think they were flat. I think they the, the, the weather had something to do with it, and they still have to figure out how to how to – you know, win consistently without one of their core players, namely Debo Samuel. Uh, you know, I agree. I thought the, the 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 Niners were their own worst enemy, and they didn't wake up until the second half of the fourth quarter. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, and and I was like. I knew the Packers were red hot, as I stated before. Doing the power rankings, I follow each team every week, and and I I, I saw the Packers start uh, like about week twelve and just get better and better and better. So the game itself wasn't a surprise. However, I did feel the Niners uh, were they, they gave up too many yards on special teams, too many drops. Sure, there was heavy rain, but you're paid to make those catches. The Packers receivers made them. Uh, the Packers receivers were getting wide open. How the hell do you not? You have the wrong cleats not once but twice, and and, and there's two wide open TDs thrown because the, the 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 Niners guy slips. You know they let Aaron Jones run all over them, and that's gonna be if they face the Ravens again. That's a massive handicap. Uh, pass interference calls kept the Packers in the game. And the reason I bring all that up is to close it out uh, 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 from the San Francisco side is Dre Greenlaw stupidity. You mm. get the interception. You're the hero. You go down. It's pouring rain. Yeah. Go and down. he's looking for a touchdown. Yeah. And, and, and you know, you know where that happened, Eddie? And the guy did fumble it. Phillip Rivers against the New England Patriots. I don't know if it was a divisional round or the championship game, but uh, they, they intercepted it. The Chargers did. Had that cornerback or, 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 or safety, had, if he had just dropped, I'll never forget, Eddie, There was the, the, the play that he fumbled, he was trying to do a move. His arms went out like this, and boop, so did the ball after he got hit. Patriots recovered. They go on to win. That's what was going through my mind as I watched yeah. Ray Greenlaw's stupidity. And I mean that. I That's agree. sheer stupidity. That's since Pee Wee Ball, you know, drop <laughs> when he intercepted. You know, it's uh, uh. now they're lucky Jordan Love saved them at the end with just a bad throw to double coverage, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. But the Packers have done well. Look, uh, they found a running a, t a game with Aaron Jones, who's healthy. The Packers have been loath to implement a rushing attack for over 30 years. We've seen it from Brett Favre. Yeah. It's a one West Coast offense. They just don't care about a rushing attack. But that's one reason they only have two Super Bowls uh, in 30 years when that team should have about five or six Super Bowl rings. You know, uh, So the Green Bay Packers did more than they had hoped to accomplish. You Packer fans, Packer Nation, go jump in the lake if you're whining that you lost and you're not going to go get a Super Bowl. You were never destined this year, but you have more experience than any head coaching staff or a coach on that staff thought you would get this year. And Jordan Love, at least for this year, I'd like to see a couple of years first before I, I anoint him as the next franchise quarterback. But he's on his way uh, to becoming that. Now, the Niners face the number three seed, the Lions. 
And that brings us to Detroit. Detroit outlasts the upstart Tampa Bay Bucks. Look, the Tampa Bay Bucks were playing with house money. Uh, uh, it was a tight game until the fourth quarter. Uh, the Lions just made more big plays at the end. Uh, Baker Mayfield threw a critical interception with the 135 left. It's just a bad throw. He went 26 for four, uh, 41 for 349 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. Only one interception uh, was his fault. However, that one interception that was his fault is what ended the game with 135 left. Look, the Bucks defense fell apart in the fourth quarter. And 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 I think the key play in that game, Eddie, was uh, wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown's nine-yard TD with 31 to 17 with 622. Even though the Bucks came back and made it a one-score game and made it tight, once it was that two the, 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 that well, oh my gosh, what is that? 15, 16, uh, uh, about 14 point lead. Uh that put the pressure and the stress, and that's what creates okay. mistakes, you know. And I think that's what kind of ended the game. Golf was efficient. One thing I noticed about golf, Eddie, when he doesn't throw interceptions, they win. When he throws an interception, all, all hats are off because he tends to be streaky. It's not like he has a one interception game, uh, or even the one interception games. You look back at the game film, you're like, dude, you're lucky it wasn't a three interception game. It just mentally he gets into a funk once he turns the ball over, uh, and they did it. Uh, the Russian attack did start off slow, only 114 yards, but they managed to pound it at the end. Uh, what was your thought on, on the on this game? It was exciting at the end. Oh, I mean, it was I, a great I, game. I, I I thought it was really good up until you know uh, uh, you know Baker Mayfield started throwing those turnovers. I, you know I, I wasn't surprised that Tampa Bay gave him this good of a game uh, up until the end. I I I, I you know, Tampa Bay, as you know, is my third favorite team. I was definitely pulling for Tampa Bay, um, but uh, you know, the Lions are they're 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 an X factor. I mean, they have very very good offensive skilled players. They're 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 deep in that. You know, they have you know arguably one of the top three tight ends in the in the NFL as a rookie, Sam Laporta. Arguably one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL, and Amon Ross St. Brown. And then you probably could say that they probably have one of the more dominant backfields, you know, as far as comp combined with Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, right? So they have very good skill position and their offensive line is very, very good, you know, um, and, and, and Jared Goff is the X factor, you know, if he's, if he's hot, they're hot. If he has his interceptions, you know, he, like you said, he could be streaky. The one, one weakness on that team is their defense. Their defense is, isn't, you know, I think a championship level defense. And I think that's going to be their downfall. I mean, they're the type of team that wants to outscore teams. You know, um, and in 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 the uh, playoffs, the championship teams are the ones that have the defense that goes along with that offense, and they don't have it. Uh, the right, Lions might right. get there eventually, but that's their downfall. That's what they, they they don't have, and that's where you know the Ravens, the Niners. I mean, the Chiefs have a championship level defense, believe it or not. Right? We always thought they were more of an offensive team. Their defense is really really good. So those three teams right there are the teams that have the championship level defenses. And in my opinion, it's going to come down, if, as long as there's no mistakes, I think it's going to be the Niners and, and the Ravens in the Super Bowl. Right. You know, uh, what you're referring to is their secondary. They have one of the league's worst secondary. In general, they're deep. Yeah. 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 Which is, oh, no, their run defense isn't too bad. Uh, but it's their secondary, Eddie. It, it, it's horrific. That's why they have a lot of high-scoring games, you know, mm -hmm. uh, with a win, you know, against subpar teams. And you're right. I think they are a year away. Uh, 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 they face the Niners uh, 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 in San Francisco. One, one note on the Niners. Uh, they better figure out how to protect Brock Purdy because he was harassed and hurried all day long. I mean, yeah. as soon as he hit hike, he dropped back, 
it was like I was shocked at, at actually I was impressed with his fortitude and his backbone because most quarterbacks how close those those defenders were would be running out of the pocket but Purdy stood strong in that pocket because I have never seen a rush I've never seen players get to the quarterback that quickly without actually sacking them you know so I'm like y'all playing with some 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 borrowed time if they can't figure that out uh, 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 I don't see them beating the Ravens if they make it to the Super Bowl. But you're right. The Lions face the Niners should be a good game. Uh, uh, the final game, uh, which I thought was the most exciting one this week, was uh, Kansas City overcomes the Bills' stupidity. <laughs> mm. Look, people don't realize this, but every year that Patrick Mahomes has been a starter, he's made it to the conference championship. You know? uh, the Bills have lost to the Chiefs. For three out of the last four years in the playoffs, conference game in 2020, uh, division round in 2021, and this past year. And what you said is key. Mahomes did not win this game for the Chiefs. This was a complete team effort that won this game. Uh, uh, you know, the Bills, the, 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 the Chiefs defense did not allow any big plays from the Bills. Uh, uh, you know, I, if I remember correctly, there was a – Gosh, I, I, uh, where's it at? Where's, yeah, the Chiefs had eight plays over 20 yards. The Bills had zero, you know, and oh, that's wow. a stunner. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, the middle was open for Kelsey all day. So Kelsey and the Mahomes connection was happening. But running back Isaiah Pacheco was a difference maker. 15 times he carried the ball, 97 yards rushing, one TD, 6.47 yards per carry. He had over 100 yards uh, from scrimmage. His receiving was one catch, 14 yards off of one target. Kelsey went five for 75 with two uh, TDs on only six targets. Uh, the play calling and execution were horrible from the Bills' perspective. And the reason I say horrible, they lost. And they had no plays over 20 yards. Allen went 26 and 39 for 186 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. However, he went 12 for 72 with two yards rushing. They relied on him too much to run the ball and not enough in the passing game. And Allen was part of the failure. For some reason, he wouldn't take what was given. If you saw the last drive, he had players open underneath, but he kept wanting to go deep. He wanted that home run. That's immaturity. That is not having a great QB coach who just gets in his face. Son, stop it. Give what mm -hmm. they take you. So his maturity has kind of stagnated, and he needs a jump start. They are no longer a young team on the rise, Eddie. The Bills are a veteran team getting older now. Their window is is closing. Uh, you know, Sure. I, I don't I don't understand why he wouldn't take what was given. And so my point is everybody is gonna want to blame the kicker. Oh, the kicker missed by no, no, no. The Bills lost that game as a team. The kicker just kind of epitomized uh, uh the fact that they can't beat the Chiefs. And here's what was even more depressing if you're a Bills fan. He kept trying to go deep. He kept going for the big plays that weren't there with guys open underneath. The Chiefs had their dime defense with their top players out there. So they knew what right. they were going to do. And Allen did not do anything to change that fact. You know, and it's horrible. And then the fake punt. Did you see the fake punt? It's yep. they gave it to DeMar Hamlin. Look, you're running Allen. He's getting you 10, 12 yards a pop. You, you need 10 yards. It's like, what kind of fake play was that? And look, DeMar Hamlin, God bless him. He's alive and with us. He's not a very good player. Never was. 
you know, he's still on the roster because he's DeMar Hamlin. I mean, they're not going to cut the guy who, who, who almost died on the field of cardiac arrest. They're only, when he gets cut, it's going to be one of those quiet cuts, you know? Uh, uh, but it's just, I, I just don't know. And to make it worse, Eddie, there were only 10 players on the field from the chiefs on the fake pump. Yeah. So Buffalo fans, Cry all you want about your place kicker, Tyler Bass, missing the 44-yard field goal with 143 left. Yes, that is kind of was the nail in the coffin, but they lost as a team. Uh, uh, there were two touchdowns. And then it's he didn't get much help. Stephon Diggs passed through the hands. Would have been a touchdown. James Cook, it bounces off his hands. It would have been a touchdown. Yeah. So their studs didn't show up. You know? uh, so my question to you, Eddie. Has Sean McDermott taken this team as far as he can? This is they're in the same situation the Cowboys were with Mike McCarthy. You know, it, it, it's it, he can't get past Kansas City. It's no longer a young and upcoming team. It's now a veteran team that's just getting older. Has his window passed him by? I would say no. And the reason why I say no is because there was a big adjustment that they made this year that I think took them farther than they had in the past. And that is running the freaking ball, man. They run the ball now. Whereas before they were pass happy galore. I mean, Josh Allen, he only threw for less than 200 yards. That's unusual for Josh Allen, you know, especially in the past Buffalo Bills offensive schemes. He was always like a 300 yard passer every freaking game. You know, Stefan Diggs, where was that guy? You don't see that. He, he, I think he didn't even crack 50 yards. So what I'm saying is I don't think that their, their time has passed. I think they made an adjustment. They have a really good running back in James Cook. I think, you know, with some other tweaks to their offense, maybe another additional uh, wide receiver to compliment a Stefan Diggs. You know, they have Gabe Davis. I don't think he even played, but you know, no, no, I think no, another, right. that, another, that yeah. was the next factor. Right. And, and so that's what I'm saying. So they need another probably key position player um, to add to the mix to maybe open things up for Josh Allen to be able to bounce that offense a little bit more. But 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 they're off their 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 running game has shown up. And I think I think one more year, I think we'll see how Sean McDermott does with that adjustment. And if, if, if he's not if he's not able to pass Kansas City, then I'll say his time has passed next year. Right. I, I, I'm in agreement with you. How do you fire a coach who's done as well as he has, especially this year? I just think the offensive coordinator <clears throat> uh, went to the extreme too much. He should have had more plays that utilized the middle of the field that didn't have to go deep. And that's on the offensive coordinator and Josh Allen. Josh Allen has been in the league enough to where he should have been able to recognize it. Look, today's quarterbacks are stupid, dumb, whatever you want to call it, when you compare them to quarterbacks of yesteryear who used to call their plays. You had to really understand a defense. You really had to understand the movements, the shifts, all that, because you're the one who was calling the play. You're the one who was calling the audible. You were doing it all. Now they don't want the quarterbacks to do that. And this is when it hurts the team. When they need a quarterback, he he, the, he recognized something, called that audible, called that play. So they're limited in that. And some teams, Eddie, no, you can't call them audible. Nope, sorry. Especially for the backup, because no, no, you run the damn play. Even if the defense is, has picked the perfect defense to play to counter that, they don't care. You know, so football from an intellectual level has gotten dumber uh, with the quarterbacks. But uh, uh, this loss, I think, is on the team itself. I give them one year. They, and, you know, look. Yeah. Stefan Diggs 
actions speak louder than me. And him not him refusing to talk to the press, you know, is uh, 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 you're just not a mature guy. You're just a crybaby. Yeah, we lost it. We yeah. That's what yeah. he is, you know, grown man. He'll, he'll squash me like a bug, but he has no spine. No, he's not a man. Man up. Talk to the press. Tell him, yeah, I dropped the ball. I screwed up or this, that, but he doesn't. It's not the first time. And players like that to me, they're not cancers. He's not a cancer. Don't get me wrong. But he's not a leader. And what I tell you earlier this year, that team lacks leadership on the field. And that, again, team effort, why they lost. So uh, anyway, I'm digressing. I'm not digressing. I'm just hammering on it because it was a frustrating game. I love Patrick Mahomes, one of my favorite players. But I also I love Josh Allen and Pointer. Uh, I, I, I love the, the, the cornerback because of his girl, his wife, Rachel Bush, beautiful girl, but she's a conservative. So I like her. Yeah. So I was running for the bills uh, and uh, it wasn't meant to be, but congrats to the, to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I don't compare him to Tom Brady yet. He's got two Super Bowls. Tom Brady's got seven. Once he gets to four or five, right. then I start comparing him, but he is right now, he is the best quarterback in the national football league. Uh, but he's having to work for it this year. So it's going to be a great sure. game. Uh, real quick. Uh, again, we're, we're running out of time here. Uh, 49ers and, and, and Rams before you tell me the winner, what is the key to that game? Lions, the lions. Say it again. Yeah, I'm sorry. The lions. Yeah. Yeah. The 49ers and lions. What is the key to that game? For the Niners to win or the Lions? I mean, each team has a key. They're going to have to really step up. Uh, uh, what do you see being the difference maker in this game that will determine the winner? Man, the Niners, you know, one thing I was going to point out in that last game, for whatever reason, Kyle Shanahan, you know, he's a run-first type of uh, uh, coach. He's kind of moved all, He's moved away from the running game a little bit, and it's frustrating to watch because they have this – difference maker in Christian McCaffrey, which, you know, you give him the ball, good things happen. I think they have to reestablish that running game and keep at it for quite some time because I think that will demoralize the Lions. I think that's the key, you know, from the offensive side for for for, for the Niners. And then for the uh, the Lions, you know, they have skill they have skill positions galore. It's a, it's going to be a, a, a dogfight for the Niner defense to be able to contain that team. So if, if the Niners are successful in being able to, you know, keep that team from scoring more than 21 points, I think the Niners will win. Um, but that's the thing is that, you know, this is the biggest matchup I think the, 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 the Niners have faced as far as skill position players being this fast and this talented all in one bunch. This is going to be interesting to see what happens. I agree, Eddie. And, and, and not to defend Kyle Shanahan, uh, 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 I still get angry when I think of the Atlanta Falcons uh, Patriots Super Bowl with his boneheaded, uh, uh, pathetic play calling in the second half. Anyway, I'm digressing now. Uh, I think the key to this game, uh, or to push back on what you said about McCann, I'm not pushing back, but he had a calf injury, so maybe that's why he wasn't uh, used as much. But I agree with you. you. And it's not just about involving McCaffrey with handoffs. You know, get him out in the open. You know, the guy just makes people yeah. miss. So I agree with you. Yeah. I think the key to the game, though, is they have to have Debo Samuels back. Uh, but if it's not raining, the weather's decent. I think the uh, 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 because the Lions don't have an elite defense, I think the Niners can get away with their terrible offensive line in terms of protecting. Uh, look, it may not show in the numbers, but when the, the, the Niners play a, uh, uh, an elite defense like the Ravens, 
they're exposed in their pass protection. I don't think the Niners are going to have that problem this week. And, and and so I think they should win this game. I don't want to say easily, but I will be surprised if they don't win. I, I think the key is the pass rush to get to uh, Purdy. And if Debo is out, then I'm really focusing on some blitzes and trying to rush Purdy, hurry him up. Because without Debo, no receiver seems to want to step up and say, I'm the man. Brandon Ayuki. Ayuk, how do you say his last name? Ayuk. Ayuk. To me, I see a stud. But it's like, dude, you got to elevate your game when Debo's not there. And I don't yeah. know if he's there yet, but the guy has made some highlight real catches. So if Debo's out, I'm doing a little bit of extra blitzing, the rattle, uh, 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 Purdy, and I'm establishing my rushing attack because why the Ravens destroyed him, uh, 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 and just literally destroyed the Niners with the rushing attack. And the Packers, they were the better team last week. I mean, I'm glad the Niners won because I want to see them win it all. But I was sweating bullets because I'm like, the Packers are outplaying them. If not for that yeah. boneheaded mistake at the end, they could have won. And like you said, yeah. the two interception drops. So, so, uh, 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 the rushing attack, if I'm the Lions, I get that up and going. All right. Let's talk uh, about the uh, uh, Chiefs and Ravens. Uh, Eddie, real quick from my end, I just think the Ravens are too much for the for the Chiefs. But uh, any given Sunday, what's your take on this? You know, if any team, in my opinion, that could beat the Ravens had lost against, you know, against the, uh, the Chiefs, and that was the Bills. I think the Bills probably would have given them the best fight. Yeah, but you can't count off the Chiefs, man. You just can't. I mean, you know, they have a good defense themselves, the Chiefs. You know, I think they're going to be able to contain Lamar Jackson more than people think. The real key is going to be can, you know, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes solve, you know, the the defensive puzzle that are the Ravens. And they, you know, no one has really solved them yet this year. Um, And, you know, if anybody could do it, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes can. So I think that's the key. That'll be the key is Patrick Mahomes versus the Ravens deep in that game. Because I think the Chiefs will be able to contain Lamar Jackson. And that that's if what makes Chiefs, this game very interesting. If the Chiefs contain Lamar Jackson, they're going to win. The whole key is containing yep. Lamar Jackson. You, what you yep. have to do is you have to remove his his passing lanes. And what what Lamar Jackson is learning how to do is look for the for the receiver. The downside is you start to look at, uh, for that receiver with mobility is bad, you know, you're not in good form when you're throwing the ball, you know, so if they can contain him, force him into some bad throws, possible interceptions, because that defense is playing lights out right now. Uh, Patrick Mahomes cannot be contained. The receivers on the Chiefs contain Patrick Mahomes by dropping the ball. So so if the receivers come to play for the Chiefs, then it could be a very high-scoring game. But the winner of this game is going to come down to – if they can contain Lamar Jackson and because uh, Lamar Jackson is the key to the rushing attack. When you start focusing yeah. too much on Lamar Jackson, the rushing attack, t- they start beating you down with that. With the Chiefs, they've got to make sure the drops don't happen. And Mahomes has got to be ready to read the field properly. But again, there's no better quarterback in the National Football League than Patrick Mahomes. And if anybody can counter the Ravens, it's going to be him. I still think the Ravens win. I just don't think the Chiefs – the Chiefs, let's say let's say uh, uh, they were like 10, their first Super Bowl, 8, their second Super Bowl. They're about a team that's at 6 or 7 now. And their win-loss record shows that. And I'm not yeah. denigrating them. I'm just saying they've come back down to earth. Where the Ravens, I'd say right now, are about an eight. And they're moving up. You know, so so that's who I see as the winner. Uh, Eddie, any final comments in terms of the NFL playoffs or next week's games? Nope, I already said it, man. It's going to be the Niners versus the Ravens. 
Bottom line. There you go. Uh, in fact, that's my prediction too. I'd rather see the Niners versus the Chiefs, but I'm sick of Patrick Mahomes winning so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Him and Andy Reid, I had no issues with winning. Uh, and God bless Lamar Jackson. He is proving – he's not proving me wrong. He's actually doing what I keep saying – a quarterback needs to do as they mature, learn how to become pocket passers, use their mobility to open it up. He's doing that at a level, though, we have not seen in many players. And with that, my friends, there you have it. Our points on the board podcast covering basketball and football. Do not forget, you can check us out at grumblingsmedia.com. You can check us out at YouTube and Rumble under the profile Grumblings Media, as well as our traditional podcast outlets, Spotify, Pandora, Google, and Apple. Mr. Aparicio, and to America, until next time, we bid you adieu.